Hello everyone, Talk of the Town is up and running in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, USA. I'm Scott Montesano, and as always, this is where the Chippewa Valley comes to talk. Hey, we're back on Thursdays. If you're watching on Facebook or you're listening live at echometownradio.com or on the TuneIn app, yes, we are back on Thursdays, and if you are listening at any time, well, we're, we're here whenever you want us. You want to listen at 3.17 in the morning. You can, thanks to the beauty that is podcast. But again, remember, for the next few weeks, we're Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays at 3 o'clock. Outstanding. Gone away is the Friday morning edition, but we've got Thursday afternoons now. And again, you can keep listening on Friday mornings, uh, delay the gratification with the Thursdays and listen on Fridays or catch up on all of the great shows we have. Uh, speaking of which, uh, coming up on today's show, we got a lot of great other things I want to talk about, but we're going to talk about some podunk politics in Chippewa County. Podunk politics in Chippewa County. Got to do that. Recap. The Eau Claire City Council decisions from this week as well. And we'll touch on uh, a story out of Fall Creek. But a reminder, we got a lot of great shows at echometownradio.com. And coming next week, the debut of a bunch of great shows. We're adding on. We're adding more flavors to what is already a very delicious lasagna. Chris Gilliam who's on the Chippewa Falls City Council, he's bringing his podcast to us. Full disclosure, it'll be a show breaking down Chippewa Falls, city government, what the decisions are, why they're being made. That'll be an outstanding show for anyone in Chippewa Falls, and quite frankly, anyone who is interested in anything in terms of local politics. So check that out. Full disclosure from Chris Gilliam. That'll debut on Monday. Then on Tuesdays, every Tuesday, real true talk from the True Living Real Estate team. That'll be it's going to be a fun, enjoyable, hilarious show breaking down some of the great real estate stories locally hosted by a group of business women in the area. You're not going to want to miss that real true talk from the True Living Real Estate team. Uh, They're going to cover a lot of topics, and it's a great listen, and that'll debut this upcoming Tuesday and every Tuesday after that. And then on Wednesdays, we've got the Downtown Manam podcast that'll be debuting. Downtown Manam, oh, you better believe it. It's about Menominee, hosted by Downtown Menominee, Inc. Going to highlight the people, places, organizations that make Menominee. Such a great place to live. So we've got a lot. As always, keep checking out the website. There is something for everybody, plus the great shows we still have. Moving on, though, today. So was going to start with the, the, the Eau Claire City Council, but I saw this story earlier this week in the Chippewa Herald. And I know it reached the leader telegram as well and have to talk about this. A small town debacle 
in Chippewa County. And a prime example of why you should pay attention to what is going on in your neighborhood. It looks like the folks in the town of Woodmore may be on the hook for paying a confessed guilty man who used to be one of their town board members $11,000. If you live in the town of Woodmore, you may be on the hook for having to pay an admittedly guilty man $11,000 for what he did wrong. Pay him for doing something wrong. He did something wrong, got caught, paid the price, and now you're about to tell him it's okay. That's like walking in the shields, trying to steal golf clubs. They catch you. You say, yep, I did it. And Shields says, okay, take the clubs. You've got an overeager local politician wanting to exonerate someone, either because they feel as though the system wasn't fair to this person and they're trying to be the judge and jury themselves. They think they can slide one by people who will take him at his word and aren't paying attention. There's a lot of this. So recapping this, recalling this, because you're probably saying, what are you talking about? Because what you're talking about is quite, quite salacious, but what are you talking about? Well, recall, you have the case of John Seibel. This came out a couple years ago. We covered it here in the earliest days of talk of the town. He was a town board member in the town of Woodmore. A couple years ago, he let the loose lips of alcohol talk. He was bragging at a local watering hole. I think we can assume he was having a, a cocktail or two, an adult milkshake, which isn't wrong, but always watch what you say when you're in those situations because a drunk mind speaks sober words. Well, he, t- he starts talking at this bar, and it was described that he was bragging about it, that he was chopping down trees, because he ran a tree service, chopping down trees and overbilling the town for the work. And he was taking lumber and all the, all these things. And again, he was a town board member. He was abusing his power that he had, a lot of that sort of thing. Long story short, he eventually pleaded no contest. Basically pled guilty. Somatically, there's some differences, but when you plead no contest, you're pleading guilty. And he was ordered to pay restitution to the town of Woodmore for the money that he stole, which at this point doesn't appear he has started on those payments yet. So John Seibel caught guilty. You move that to the side because the rest of this isn't really about him. He has or should be paying his price for what he did wrong. There's, a, there's somebody else now that's, that now has to face our ire. Earlier this month, Woodmore Planning Commission Chairman Steve Hilger, they're having a meeting. Steve Hilger orchestrates a spur-of-the-moment vote at a meeting to reimburse Seibel $11,000 in court fees. He tells the audience there, the attendees, that Seibel had been cleared of charges. He's been cleared of charges. He was one of us, a town board member. Let's get, let's, let's reimburse his fees. Now we can, 
makes, you know, you're setting a precedent there. But regardless, he said he'd been cleared, exonerated, he was good to go, let's pay him back. And the people there went, all right, let's do it. Well, obviously that's not the case. He was found, he was, he, he pled no contest, pled guilt. He admitted what he did was wrong. Many who voted yes took Hilger at his word. They really didn't follow the case. They knew the guy had done something wrong, but they didn't know. As we've said before on this program, a lot of people hear the initial story, but you never hear the follow-up. So they took Hilger at his word. Well, he must have been found innocent of what he did. All right, if you say it, let's, let's vote yes, let's give him his money. Well, again, that's not accurate. So now the town of Woodmore is going to likely have to pay out to an admittedly guilty man $11,000 to cover the court costs where he was found guilty. This is, this is an agenda item on a town board meeting coming up, but likely they're going to have to pay after this initial vote. Hilger now contends that this isn't how it went. This isn't how it went. He didn't, he didn't lie to anybody. He just feel it's not how it went. People have got kind of a, a, a warped sense of how it went. But Hilger contends he feels Seibel's charges against him were unjust. And that is what he told the people at the meeting. So you've got this Steve Hilger basically trying to serve as judge and jury himself. The system already played out. Seibel guilty of doing what he did in order to pay restitution. Simple as that. Hilger does not like how the system played it out, and he himself wants to be in charge and wants to say the guy is innocent and wants to have people pay him back. I'll say this, because as I said before, this is small-town podunk politics is what it is how this has been handled. Now, I'm going to put this off to the side. The fact that people didn't really follow the story and allowed Steve Hilger to get away with this, whether he, whether he, he, whether he flat out lied or he just sort of stretched the truth, you got to pay attention. You have to pay attention to what's going on, especially something like this. But that's another topic for another day. We're going to focus on Steve Hilger. Steve Hilger's resignation should be in by now. Planning Commission Chairman, he should be stepping aside now. That's not how you run any level of government, how he's handled this. Sloppy way of operating. One, he's accused of flat-out lying at a meeting. He's accused of lying at a meeting, saying that he was... that. John Seibel was found, was clear to the charges. He wasn't clear to the charges. And the other thing is, too, Hilger says, well, he was cleared of a lot of the charges. Yeah, but he wasn't cleared of all the charges. When you, go, when you are accused, typically you're accused of more than they end up actually taking to court. A lot of charges get dropped. So we know what he was trying to do. Now you're getting caught in a semantics game of as to what Hilger said. But Hilger, made, Hilger clearly made the case that Seibel 
was clear to the of the charges. He made that seem as though it was the case, which is not true. So you lied at a meeting to get your way. Two, if you honestly believe his charges were unjust, and that's fair to think the charges were unjust, the court system already played out. The decision, which is not yours to make, was already made. You may think he was innocent, but he's not innocent. And he pled no contest. He pled guilty. So if you believe the charges were unjust, that's fair. However, he's been found guilty. He pled guilty. So you believe the town citizens, the citizens in the town of Woodmore, and that is what government is. It's not some physical entity, but a representation of the citizens. You think the citizens should pay all the legal fees for a guy who was caught, pled guilty, because he was caught red-handed. You think that the citizens should pay him back. If he was innocent, then yes, but he's not. He admitted what he did was wrong. He pled guilty. You know what this is like? You know what this is like? This is, this is like getting your hand caught in the cookie jar and you still want to let them have the cookie. So if I commit any crime in the town of Woodmore, Mr. Hilger, if I commit any crime in the town of, Wo- of Woodmore, I expect you to pay my way through the court costs. Innocent, guilty, whatever. You're going to pay my court costs, huh? Better yet, if you're just handing out money, where do you live? I want to knock on your door. My kids have college funds. I can beef that up. I'll ask for some money for the college funds. I'd like a new roof on my house. You're just out here giving away money. A sloppy way of handling it in the town of Woodmore. As I said before, this has nothing to do with John Seibel right now. John Seibel had his, had his, his case. Okay, as simple as that, John Seibel had his case. This isn't about him. This is about a small town government official either flat out trying to pull the wool over everyone's eyes and get, I I don't know what his connection to Seibel is. He may be friends with him, but trying to, basically reimburse a guy for court costs on a case that impacted the town. There's almost a Stockholm Syndrome aspect to the whole thing. So we'll follow that up and see how that goes. Um, If they end up having to write John Seibel the check, this has nothing to do with John Seibel. And if you're saying, well, if he's a good guy, he'd actually decline the money. If I was him, I wouldn't. So keep an eye on that story. Um, That one got me fired up because it was just something about that um, that really had me fired up. Something that didn't have me fired up this week was the Oak Ridge City Council. Nothing really with the city council that got you really blood boiling. I know some people got their blood boiling on the brush site We'll talk about that in a moment. I know some people are upset about the fact that the 
There's a crematorium that might get built in the Sky Park and in, in the Sky Park Industrial Zone, which I'm not that worked up about. They they've been talking about that for months, and again, you know, it the, the Industrial Zone kind of a better good spot for it actually when you think about it. Uh, for maybe the biggest thing that came out of the the week though was how they'll replace my Yong who has moved on to a state seat, not a state government seat, but a state position. Uh, How will they replace her vacated seat? Uh, They've decided they'll take applicants, try to have it filled by June, and remember that there will be an election next spring. They could have waited till the election, but I think rightfully so. You want to try to have the the chamber filled as much as possible. You want to have the full 11 votes. And speaking of which, I think most, if not all of them, were in person for the first time in a while. That the, uh, the council members were there in person. Moving forward, aren't we? Uh, the only thing I'll say with my young seat as they take applicants, I like it. Try to replace with someone similar to my thoughts uh, her her leanings, her goals, if you can. At a minimum, do not get somebody who is a 180-degree difference. The people voted for my, so you want to try to replace her with somebody that is similar to my. Now, if we're talking national politics and when somebody retires from a seat and the people in charge have a chance, the, the political power, party in charge has a chance to replace and there's a lot of maneuvering that goes on with it being a local government where, again, red and blue should not matter. We know that there is elements of that that have to play in. But remember, it's not as much red or blue as it is the lean conservative or the lean liberal. And if you lean liberal, you don't, you're not automatically a Democrat and vice versa. I just hope that they, at a minimum, do not bring in somebody that's 180 degrees different from my yawn. Uh, with all these applicants. And whoever fills the seat will have the inside track to maybe getting elected next spring. Uh, The brush site fee increase was discussed. Uh, The brush site will, in fact, see an increase in fees, but the the overall increase tempered a bit. Uh, Not as much of an increase in the cost to dump your yard waste at the brush site on the north side of town. That'll start mid-May. People argued that it should be free. We said before, this is one of those things that's a, it's a hidden budget agenda in your own personal budget. It's one of those things you don't even budget for. And we all do that. If you're counting calories, you don't count those couple of blueberries you eat at lunchtime, you go grab a handful of blueberries. You don't count the blueberries in your calorie count, even though they do count and should count. This is one of those things, too, that people do not really budget for, getting rid of their yard waste. The only time you ever budget for your yard is if you actually have a service. But you're not really even budgeting if you do your own lawn uh, gas for your mower and stuff like that. You don't budget for how much the bags cost to pick up leaves. You just don't. And people probably didn't really think of the cost and it was built in to the cost of uh, some other things with uh, yard waste pickup and all that. 
a lot of people don't even use the, the brush site on the north side of town. So the fact that people, now this, is, this has been brought to light, of course people are going to argue it should be free. And people made a point, some residents made a point that in other towns it's free, other municipalities it's free around the state to just take your yard waste and dump it at a site. But Renee Tyler correctly pointed out that it may seem like it's free in other markets, but those areas make it up by charging for waste pickup. Uh, they charge for your regular, you know, maybe they have a municipal garbage department. So you may not be paying directly, and you may think it's free, but they're, they're getting you another way. Uh, we have private business, not municipal garbage haulers. Uh, so again, there will be a, an increase to the brush site. I know there'll also be an increase to, to water rates. Uh, so there wasn't necessarily a lot of good news to come out of the city council, but there was nothing that got me as worked up as that story out of the town of Woodmore, where, again, uh, if you do something wrong, if you wrong the town of Woodmore, they will pay you to do it, is basically what they are. I also just don't like the idea of, of reimbursing somebody for court costs. I just don't I, I, I don't like going down that that rabbit hole if I'm them. Well, when we come back, there's a juicy story out of Fall Creek we got to get to before we uh, end the day. If you're watching on Facebook, the full show is at echometownradio.com. Just go to the talk of the town page and if you're listening to the podcast, you don't have to do anything. We're right back here in a minute. I'm Jerry Keel. I'm Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Northwestern Bank. Northwestern Bank's a great place to do business with because we've been around for 100 years. We've been doing this for a long time. Not just the bank itself, but our staff has been around for many, many years. Our goal is to deliver the greatest banking experience we can in the Chippewa Valley, and I think we deliver it each and every day. And having that experience helps us get you there. Northwestern Bank, building stronger communities where people matter. Member FDIC. The end of a life is a sad occasion, but listen as our friend Randy with Stokes, Proc, and Munt and the Cremation Society tells us about how the end-of-life services they facilitate serve a role they do not take lightly. But as we celebrate a person's life and even tell funny stories about them, that's a very healing thing. I mean, if you can take a family that's crying, sobbing, and get them laughing about the person that died. That's very healing. That's a very important thing, you know. I mean, we take our work very, very seriously. Randy and the folks at Stokes, Proc, and Munt, along with the Cremation Society, are available to answer any of your questions, including pre-planning your arrangements. Check them out online and on social media. Our friends with Toyson Ford are great supporters of not only Eau Claire hometown radio, but a lot of great local things. And we've got Craig here to tell us really what Toyson Motors and Toyson Ford is all about. Toyson Ford is, is much more than a place that sells cars. And obviously that's that's the start of our relationship with a lot of people with selling a car. But uh, when we say our slogan is you'll find a friend, we, we want you to come back. And we want to build a relationship that's going to last for years and years and hopefully for the rest of your life and our lives. So when you buy your car, we want you to come back for service, and we're going to introduce you to our service department. So when you first come in for your first oil change or service visit, you know the staff already. You feel comfortable, and you know what's going to go on. You, you know what to expect. 
you'll come uh, into our lounge and we'll fix your car. You can talk to the salesperson if you have any questions about what is on your car that you might have forgotten in the meantime that you purchased it. So you've got lots of opportunities to, to reconnect with our staff and our staff to connect with you that we can make it a, a good ownership experience all throughout owning your car. Hey, want to change gears for a moment and talk about our friends at Mom's Kitchen. They're located up there at the Pinehurst Plaza Shopping Center, north side of town. And you know them from being our sponsors of the Gold Star of the Week. Luke and his gang up there, great local restaurant, perfect spot for breakfast, lunch. But don't forget about their dinner as well. They are very, very prideful of the burgers that they put out there. Personally, my favorite is breakfast time there, but do not discount Mom's Kitchen for lunch and dinner. Try their Packer Backer special, by the way. Oh, they love making it, and they love to see their customers enjoy that. Mom's Kitchen up at the Pinehurst Plaza Shopping Center. Continue on with talk of the town, and uh, we touched on this story towards the end of Wednesday's show, but we'll get to it right now in in depth. Uh, the latest edition of a uh, uh, local business owner perhaps fleecing some money from somebody, but as we said before, your initial thoughts on the story are you want the pound of flesh on the accused, and very well, she could be 100% guilty, but really start to pull the layers back, and as I said before, you come out of it going, man, I really want to know what the truth is, because it's not black and white in all likelihood. Michelle Isold, uh, she runs Chippewa Valley Taxi Services, uh, at least that's what I have been uh, told here, and actually, I want to double that, I want to Double that up here before we, we go on. She, she is a uh, business owner in the area. And, uh, oh, yep, there we go. Uh, she runs Chippewa Valley Taxi Services. And they've done a lot of, of, of good things in the area. They've got, uh, uh, some, pos- they've got some positive uh, press in the past for helping to donate money and helping to give free rides to uh, disabled individuals around the area. Well, she is accused of pilfering $45,000 from a mentally disabled individual. The victim, as the story is, the victim last summer received $90,000 from an insurance policy on her mother's death. I sold, over the course of the next few weeks and months, convinced her to give the money, or a significant portion of it, to her. 45000 of it, which ISOLD used on her business, Chippewa Valley Taxi, a service that this mentally disabled individual, by the way, would use. ISOLD argues that the money was a gift, that this individual gave her the money, it was a gift. ISOLD contends she was like a mother figure to this person. I don't know exactly what that means. Uh... You, you kind of want to know a little bit more about this, but uh, ISOL contends, yeah, I got the money, and uh, and I got the money fair and square. She wrote me the check. It's 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 it, she wrote it for whatever reason. Maybe this individual wanted to give some money to the to the business because she utilizes the business, and 
from what we know so far, the money was actually used on the business. That'll be another layer to this. If we find out that the money was used not on the business, then that does not help Michelle Eisholt's case. But it looks like she used the money on the business. She wanted to buy a couple more vehicles for her, vis- for her business. So let's take a step back. Eisholt is accused of pilfering this money from this mentally disabled individual. It could very well be Isol did work on this individual trying to convince her to give her money. Isol could have kind of worn her, wore her down and said, give me the money. You know, try, you know, try, didn't try to scam her, didn't try to scam her, but just kept trying to say, hey, you know, hey, uh, what are you going to do with that money? Hey, I got an idea of where you, what you could do with that money. Why don't you give it to me? This individual could very well have given her the money willingly, knowingly, consciously. The issue of cognitive ability will be key. Now, did ISIL take advantage? We'll see. Does this individual simply have buyer's remorse? We'll see. And importantly... Was the individual okay with writing the check? And it was only when a social worker came into the picture that it became an issue. Did a social worker overstep? Was this something that the... Remember, folks, there's, there's varying levels of cognitive ability. So using the term disabled is, is wide. It is very wide. And you and I both know that. This individual who wrote the check to Michelle Isol, did she think nothing was wrong? Didn't care? She was maybe even happy to give the money? But then the social worker looked and went, that's just not right? And is it the social worker's place? I mean, she can question it, but at what point does the individual lose? You know, do you have to trust the individual for writing it? So there's a lot of things here that could clear Michelle Isold. So initially, Michelle Isold looks like a manipulative jerk, and she very well could be. But follow the story. We keep saying we started the whole thing off by talking about the the mess in, in the town of Woodmore. People heard the initial story, never followed it. Follow this one. See how it plays out. Again, it could very well be what your initial negative thoughts are. Michelle Isold saw somebody who got a big chunk of money and kind of squeezed the money out of her. Not necessarily in a flat-out scam, but she knew what she was doing. All right? Yeah, maybe she's, you know, she's not as, as, as evil of a person as some people who take money, but she knew what she was doing. We may find that to be the case. Uh, follow how this story plays out. And, importantly, that last part I said, if we come to find out that the social worker overstepped, what does that mean going forward? So, as we've always said with a lot of these stories, again, follow them. Follow the stories. Uh, There's usually a, a long way with them. Well, we enter May. Next time we come back to you next week, enjoy the rest of your April. Enjoy all of your podcasts. 
great new podcasts are debuting in the month of May on Eau Claire Hometown Media. You do not want to miss them. On behalf of everyone who made this podcast possible, I'm Scott Monosano saying there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Make sure to take advantage of it. And until next time, so long, everybody.